are the spirit of truth, love, and holiness. Open my eyes so that I can see you are with me. Speak to me through your word. It is my weapon against evil temptations. Your word pierces my soul with wisdom and my heart with overwhelming love. Use me to bring your kingdom to the earth. Give me today and forgive my yesterday. Lead me to forgiveness to shine your power and glory forever and ever. Pour your peace into my life, God. I adore you and love you with all my heart. Teach me to know and to seek you, for I am your beloved child. We've been doing this series called Christianity 101, Peace with God, for the last couple weeks. And the idea is that we're looking at some of the fundamentals of our faith and how this could bring us to a place where we're at peace with God. And so if you were here a couple weeks ago, Roman did a great job kicking us off uh, talking about the importance of Scripture and the Bible and how we can trust in the Bible and, and rely on it. And he had, the, if you remember, he had that chair as an analogy how, you know, sometimes we can bump into it. And it can seem like it's a little bit in our way, but it's also something that supports us and, and it, it helps us to, to find rest. And so in the same way, the Bible, sometimes it can feel a challenge to, to bring it into our daily schedule. It can seem like an inconvenience somehow to, to read it, and, and, but yet if we were to take the time to sit on it like a chair, we would find that it actually gives us support, it encourages us, and it gives us rest. And so Roman did a great job just sharing that. And then last week, if you were here, Michael had a, a great um, message for us and sharing insights and just the importance of prayer and, and how we can view it through the lens of the Acts model. He showed us the, the adoration, the confession, thanksgiving and supplication. And if you remember the, the analogy of, of throwing an anchor up to God, and if we were to pull that anchor, we're not bring, when we pray, we're not bringing God down into our presence. Instead, when we pull on that rope, we are being brought up into his presence. And it helps us to have this, maybe a different perspective of when we pray, that we kind of get the eternal perspective as we're in his presence. And so Michael and Roman, thanks again for just leading the charge in, in a powerful way the last couple of weeks. So last year, my wife, uh, Holly, and I decided we wanted to expand our deck in our backyard um, so we could accommodate for a new hot tub that we ordered. We realized right after we ordered the hot tub that we don't really have any footprint on our current deck to even fit this hot tub. And so I had the task of figuring out logistically how we were going to get this new deck built. And I am not a handy person whatsoever. I mean, I can... I can hit a nail and, and you know, use a screwdriver, but I'm not a carpenter by any means. But I happen to know uh, an older gentleman here at the church that is very skilled in building things. Uh, his name's Terry, and he actually has built many homes in Mount Pleasant here. And so I called him up and said, Terry, would you help me build a deck? And he's like, I would love to. I think it was probably within minutes he was over with a blueprint, had all the details, everything. Uh, but part of the plan was that we were going to dig 24 three-foot holes in, for the post of this new deck. And so we got our shovels, and we started digging and digging and digging. And it was probably about three hours, and we had barely put a dent in it. We finished maybe two holes, two holes after like three hours. And we're realizing this is, this is going to be quite a job. And luckily, Terry had a friend who owned a skid steer that had an auger on it. And then we have a picture of what that is, a skid steer. Yep, so the skid steer with an auger on it. And his, this friend owed Terry a favor, so Terry calls him up. This guy shows up. 
Within 45 minutes, he had 22 holes dug out, which would have taken Terry and I days upon days to, to get that much accomplished. So what I tell you this story, I, um, as I was thinking about the last month and a half, really since we've kicked off Unite, you know, I was thinking the new normal series that we did. We talked about finding Sabbath rest. We talked about expressing our faith outside of the, the walls of the church. And we talked about being a people that recognize our Father's voice over all the other noise in this world that we see. And then, like I shared, we talked about the significance of Scripture and reading the Bible and, and the significance of prayer and, and communicating with our Father. And as I was thinking of all these things, the truth is, is if, if we try to do all these things that we've talked about this semester on our own strength and our own ability, chances are we're not going to get very far, much like Terry and I didn't get very far when we were trying to dig with our own strength and ability. But if you have the right power, like in our instance, we had the, the skid steer with the auger, we were able to get a lot finished and, and with little effort, actually. It, didn't, it wasn't a burden to us. It didn't wear us out. And so tonight, I, I want to talk about this idea that we have access to this amazing power that will not only help us to do all the things that we've talked about over the last month and a half, but that it will bring us this amazing amount of peace with God. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And so actually, I just want to take a time out and just pray right now, uh, just for tonight and just for, for what God wants to speak to us right now. Dear Holy Spirit, we just ask for you to just fill this place with your love, with your wisdom, God, I just pray that you would just speak through me tonight, that it be your words and not mine. God, whatever is not of you, I pray that it be quickly dismissed. But I pray, Lord, if it's from you, that it would just resonate in the hearts and the minds of each of us and that we'd walk away from here tonight um, renewed and encouraged, Lord. We love you and we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So tonight, I, like I said, I get the privilege and honor about sharing the whole, uh, sharing about the Holy Spirit. And as I was studying this, I quickly realized that this is no small task. I mean, there's pastors who have written books on the Holy Spirit and would confess even afterwards that they still didn't feel like they could really articulate the mysteries of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to pretend tonight that I'm going to somehow solve this all for you guys and that you'll be just extremely educated on this. I, I haven't figured it all out. But what I would love to do is just share some of the insights that I've learned along the way. And my hope is that it would encourage you wherever you're at and that you would leave here more encouraged and more at peace with God than you were when you walked through these doors. And so, if nothing else, maybe just something a little new about the Holy Spirit. But for starters, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. And if you've been around the church, you've heard of the Trinity with this idea of three in one, uh, where we have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all one being but three persons. And a being is a quality or essence of what you are, and a person is what makes you who you are. So for example, for myself, what I am is a human being. Who I am is Mark. And so I am one being and one person, where God is one being and three persons. And there's nothing like that in this world. If, if you've heard the Trinity explained before, you, you hear some examples of like the egg, where it's got 
three components to it, but it's one egg. It's the shell, the white, and the yolk. Or the ice cube it has the liquid, solid, and vapor form, but it's all an ice cube. But there is no person in this world where it's one being but three persons. And, but if you look in the scriptures, in the Old Testament and New Testament, there's so much evidence of the Trinity and where they talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And perhaps that will just be a whole other message that we will tackle someday here in Unite. I think it would be really good. But really, my point of bringing it up tonight is really just to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like over the many years that I've been around the church, I hear a lot about God the Father, and I hear a lot about Jesus the Son. But I don't know about you guys, but we don't hear a lot about God the Holy Spirit. And, and so... I just feel like tonight, I, I really want to explore that a little bit. And, and I know maybe even just the fact that saying the Holy Spirit as a person is a new concept for some of you guys tonight. I know I've heard people reference it as it, and, but, but we see in 1 John 4, 4, it says, For he, and this is referring to the Holy Spirit, who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So it's not saying that so it that is in you. It's saying that he that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And just a quick side note, this verse is an amazing go-to verse. If you're facing any struggles or any challenges in this life that just feel overwhelming or bigger than you, to just remember that, again, we have access to this power, much like a skid steer with an auger, that is greater than the world and anything in this world. It says in, in Romans chapter 8, it talks about how this power, it's the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. I mean, think about that for a second. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is in each of us. All right, so why are we talking about the Holy Spirit tonight? Besides the idea that, that maybe we don't hear enough about it or we don't understand it fully, um, or that if... You know, it, AJ, our intern here, this, he's really the brainchild behind this series. He, he came up with this series and, and the things that we want to talk about. But it's not be, just because AJ chose to talk about the Holy Spirit. Why I want to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight is because what I sometimes see in myself and in, in many Christians in general is a spiritless life. And this might not be true of you here tonight, but for a majority of us Christians, I believe that we live beneath how God wants us to live. We don't really do all that God wants us to do, and God is not able to accomplish all the things that he really wants to accomplish in us or with us. And I believe it is a result from not living a spirit-filled life. And it's interesting because there, there are times that we could be so passionate about things like sports, right? I mean, hands raised or politics. Do I get a boo anywhere? Like, yeah, I'm just kidding. But we get so passionate about politics or movements. So we get so passionate about these things and we see our emotions on display. Yet when it comes to... Sunday morning at church, what can it look like sometimes? Yeah. 
There's some Sunday mornings I look around and I, I think to myself, like, are we at a funeral? Are we at a funeral? Because it looks like this is where Fawn went to die. You know? And I wonder why could we be so passionate about all these other things and yet not show any passion towards the most important thing in our life, which is our relationship with the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can seem a little apathetic or spiritless. You know, and it's, it's interesting. You need to look back at the, the people cheering in the crowds, you know, for sports games. Like, if you've, you've been there, I imagine some of you guys have been to these sporting events and you just feel this energy. You're just like, yes, your team scored. Or you, it takes nothing for you to raise your hands and to be excited and to show all these emotions. Yet again, we're in church. I mean, you're just like, oh, I, I'd feel weird if I raised my hand right now. Like, it's like, why is that? And I think sometimes it's, it's, we're, we're living a spiritless life. So here's the thing. Unless we allow God to create a new normal for us, we're, we will never experience the fullness of life Jesus died to give us. Unless we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and allow him to teach us how to live life in communion with him, we will never be rooted and grounded in his love and peace. And if we're not being rooted in his love and peace, the storms of this life will continuously wreak unnecessary havoc on us. So a question might be, why are people or why are we living a spiritless life? And I think there can be honestly many, many reasons why. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to mention a couple of things I, th I think it might be or could be. And first, I think some people might honestly not know about the Spirit or recognize or hear about the Holy Spirit. And we actually see an example of this even in the Bible in Acts 19, 1 through 2. It reads, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we have not heard, even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So here it is saying that they're disciples, and they've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And if you read on, you, you, you realize that they were baptized by John the Baptist. And so there's a good chance that they didn't even ever hear Jesus. I mean, John spoke about there's one greater than me that is coming, but he didn't use Jesus' name saying, oh, Jesus is coming. And so they didn't even know about Jesus. And so Paul introduced them to, to Jesus and, and, and said that then he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. But again, going back to this idea, maybe some of us are living a spiritless life because we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit or even recognize what it is or who he is. And I think another big reason a lot of us might be living a spiritless life is because we have resisted the Holy Spirit. And on maybe more than one occasion. Tell me this. Have you, have you ever had this feeling or prompting to say or do something good that you knew it would be good for you or for somebody else, but then you never acted on it? Or say that you were in a situation that you just got this gut feeling like, I probably shouldn't be here or I shouldn't be doing this. Like maybe gossiping about somebody, you get that gross feeling of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this person without them being there. Well, these are the promptings 
of the Holy Spirit. And when you resist these promptings over and over again enough, guess what happens? You stop feeling these promptings. You see, I've heard it described that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never force himself on, on someone if they don't want anything to do with him. And we see in Acts, just before Stephen, if you've ever heard of Stephen, he was a martyr for Jesus. He, just before he was stoned to death, he spoke to the Pharisees who were essentially killing him in that moment. And this is what he said in, in Acts 7.51. He says, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And who were the Pharisees' ancestors? They were the Israelites. And Stephen had just, before he said this, he had just finished summarizing the journey of the Israelites. And he was sharing how, you know, God parted the sea and he did all these amazing miracles. And yet, these Israelites still found that they would resist his authority and resist the Holy Spirit. And so now Stephen is speaking to the Pharisees saying, you stiff-necked people, you are resisting the Holy Spirit like your ancestors. So maybe these are just a couple of the reasons um, that some of us are living a spiritless life. One, we, we don't recognize or we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit or haven't really learned about him, or we've just gotten in a bad habit of resisting him. So if it's because maybe we haven't learned enough or heard about him, what can we learn about him tonight, now? And what does the Bible tell us about the Holy Spirit? It, it actually tells us a lot about him. But again, for the sake of time, I just want to talk about a couple things concerning the Holy Spirit. And the first thing we learned that he is a gift from God, a gift given to us. In Acts 2.38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you have done this, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you've confessed the wrongdoings or the sins of your life, you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is my prayer for you tonight. If you have never received the gift of, of salvation in Jesus Christ, my prayer tonight is that you would not leave here without pursuing that. There's something interesting, and this might be controversial to some, some people, but there's no such thing as a Christian that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. And we know this because of what it says in Romans 8, 8 through 9. It says it this way. It says, those who are in the realm of this flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So the Holy Spirit is a gift that is given to us when we accept Christ in our lives. And what does this gift of the Holy Spirit do for us then? Well, in John 14, 16 through 17, this is Jesus before he's ascending uh, back to, to heaven. And he's speaking to his disciples. And he says this. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or some versions say helper or counselor, to help you and to be with you forever, 
the spirit of truth. So first off, in a sense, this is Jesus' fulfilled promise. When he had told us one time that I will never leave you or forsake you, the Holy Spirit is the answer to that promise. In fact, Jesus had said that to his disciples at one time, it is better for me to go than for me to stay here. And although they were confused at the time, the, the reality is, is that Jesus was, was 100% God, but he was also 100% man, which meant that he was limited to his human body where he could not be at all places at all times. But when he left and was ascended back to heaven, he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He could be in each one of us instantaneously. If any of you guys are Star Wars fans, I remember there was a scene where Obi-Wan Kenobi was saying something very similar to Luke, saying, like, it's better for me to, to go than to be here. And I think it was pretty much the same idea. It's because because then this Jedi force would be with, with Luke wherever he went, you know? It's, so you can kind of think of the Holy Spirit as this Jedi force that, that we have. I just thought that was interesting when I watched that one time. I was like, hey, Jesus said that to his disciples too. Um, but it, goes, it continues out. It says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So the first thing that, that we can see that the gift of the Holy Spirit does for us, he is our helper, our counselor, our advocate, our guide. And I, I love this analogy of, you know, this idea of if you're driving and you're using your phone as your GPS, I prefer Google Maps over Apple because I always get lost with Apple. It seems to lead to dead ends. So Google Maps, um, and what happens when you take a wrong turn you don't have this loud voice yelling at you, what are you thinking? Unless, like my wife in the car, then you, then you do hear that. But you hear this nice, calm voice simply say what? Recalculating. Just recalculating. You know, it's, it's nothing, she's not getting angry, just saying recalculating. And the Holy Spirit helps us to recalculate when we take the wrong turns in life, the wrong exits. You know, and he gently and calmly shows us the road and how to get back on track. But like I said before, he's a gentleman. He doesn't force us to take those turns. He simply shows us where to turn, and then he leaves the choice up for us whether we take it or not. On Sunday morning, something some of you guys might not realize, but for those that have played or led worship on stage up there, we have what they call inner ear monitors. And so we have those in our ears. What's going on while we're playing or singing is that we're hearing voice cues inside of these inner ears that are telling us what's coming up. It will say like intro or verse or course or bridge. And it's, so it's telling us what's coming up. And at the same time that that's going on, there's also this clicking sound that's a metronome that's trying to keep us all on tempo. And if any one of us diverts from the voice cues or the clicking tempo, it's not a pretty thing. But when we all listen to the voice cues and the tempo, you get the united, beautiful sound. And you know, the same is, is true for us. Again, the Holy Spirit is, is here to guide us so that we can be at peace with God. And when we choose not to listen to his cues, his voice cues, it isn't pretty, and I'm sure many of us have learned that the hard way. So John 14, 26 through 27, it says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then we see in John 16, 13 through 15, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Don't we need a little bit of that in our world right now? Yeah. And he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Much like the voice cues I was talking about with our inner ears. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit makes the Father's plans and all that he wants to accomplish in your lives known to you at just the right time. And I know that many of us get so frustrated because we want to see the whole picture. We want to know everything that we're supposed to do in this life and, and what it's going to look like, right? But can you imagine if you were trying to follow, going back to the example of the, the Google Maps, if, you were, if Google Maps showed you every turn all at once, you would be overwhelmed. You'd just be like, wait, 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 Let, I'll just take it as we go, you know? And that's, that's a little bit of how the Holy Spirit works. He reveals to us as we go. And we just learn to listen for his promptings and his voice cues. So he is our helper. And again, he's a gentleman, so he will show us where to go, but it's up to us whether we choose to go. Okay, the last thing I'll talk about tonight that the gift of the Holy Spirit does for us, it has to do with what I, I mentioned something earlier, um, that gut feeling you get inside when you've said or done something that is wrong or just off. So it's two, he convicts you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. It says in John 16, 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When we get that something is off feeling in us, more times than not, it's the Holy Spirit grieving inside of us because we have strayed off a track or taken the wrong exit. And he's wanting to, to bring us back into right relationship with himself. And I think this is one of the toughest parts as a Christian where we need to be so intentional. And it requires, you know, it requires this intentionality where we keep ourselves sensitive to these promptings and to the Holy Spirit by not resisting them over and over again. But instead, the more you respond to him, the more sensitive you become to the promptings and his whispers. And the more in tune you are with the Holy Spirit, the more spirit-filled life you will live. And what does a spirit-filled life? I mean, we saw the example of what a spiritless life looks like. Falling asleep on the church chairs, you know. But what does a spirit-filled life look like? And it makes sense that it looks like the fruits of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience in some versions, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we live the Spirit-filled life, here's the fact of the matter. We should have all those things on display, and we should stand out from the rest of the world. 
But unfortunately, I feel like many times we look too similar to the rest of the world. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel like I know non-believers that have showed more love and kindness and gentleness than I do sometimes. And maybe you feel that way too. Jesus says in John seven thirty-seven through 39, it says, Let anyone who, th- who is thirsty come to, to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So he's saying that the Spirit will be flowing from within us like rivers of living water, which is insinuating a continuous flow. And I don't know, have any of you guys ever heard of that old Sunday school song, like, I got a river of life flowing out of me? Any hands? Nobody? Oh, there's a song. That's, yeah, so I thought I was really old, but I, awesome. But yeah, this song was, I got a river of life flowing out of me. It's kind of bad, actually. My, my twin brother and I would sing that while we were going to the bathroom. Like, I confessed, and yeah, that was not cool. But anyways, think of it this way. Hypothetically, I don't know if this is going to get much better. But if you were to drink and get drunk, we are not promoting getting drunk whatsoever. But if you were to get drunk, you would not stay drunk unless you continually filled yourself with alcohol, right? Like, you know, you get drunk and you just don't stay drunk for eternity. Like, it wears up. But if you continue filling yourself with alcohol, you will stay drunk. And the same is true with the Spirit. You can't continually be living in the Spirit if you are not continually filling yourself with things of the Spirit. And this is where it gets more complicating because how do we fill ourselves with the Spirit? Well, it's kind of some of the things we talked about, getting in the Word, communicating with our Father, praying with Him, showing love to others. But then it's also crazy because the Holy Spirit helps us to do those things. So which comes first? I, I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, in the same way that someone who is drunk would act differently and stand out, and I'm sure you guys have seen somebody drunk and they looked different than everybody else in those moments. But we should stand out and act different because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And that is why the Holy Spirit convicts us is that what, so we could represent him and be the light in the darkness. You know, it's interesting too. You know, so we say the Holy Spirit convicts us of the wrongs that we're doing, but I don't know about you guys, but I... I also get those promptings when there's things that are really right. And I know some people, we call them like God bumps, you know, and something inside of you is just saying like, yes, this is good. And yes, this is right. Like when we're worshiping, sometimes you just get this overwhelming feeling of like, this is right. And I just think that's so cool how, how the Holy Spirit does that. As you just imagine him leaping inside of you. So as I was studying the, the, about the Holy Spirit, which I, re- seriously, I recommend all of you guys do this. Like, I hope this just, you know, whets a little bit of your appetite, but that, like, as we've been talking about scripture and the importance of it, that this would lead you to be like, I want to learn a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. Definitely do it. Um, but I just, I discovered there really is so much to learn. We hear things like baptism of the Holy Spirit. We hear things like anointing of the Holy Spirit or feeling of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit is on or in me and upon me. What is, you know, like the one-time deal with the Holy Spirit? What is the continuous deal with the Holy Spirit? Does it all make sense? You guys are like, 
uh, God, I, I don't know, and it appears Mark doesn't know either. Um, but here's the thing. This gives me hope, and I hope it gives you hope. We ran across it in Luke 11, 5 through 13. It says, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on, on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. I don't know why, but when I saw this, this verse right away, I just, I'm picturing Roman coming to my house at midnight, knocking on my door saying, hey, I need some loaves of bread. You know, and, and, and I feel like my response would be much like this person here. And it says, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I feel like this has almost even happened before, Roman. Maybe I don't know. I feel like it's happened. But say, I, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity or your consistent knocking, I should say, he eventually, what does it say? Sorry, I lost my track. Oh, because of his audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the, the door will be open. And then it goes on to say, which of you fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know to give the good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I'd like to think that I'm a good dad. I, I love to give gifts to my children. But God is saying here that, Mark, you are evil. And if you know how to give good gifts, then I, who am not evil, you have to imagine I'm going to give some really good gifts like the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is an amazing gift of power that God gives to us to guide us in this life, to convict us, or to recalculate us back into relationship with him. And I don't think we really have to worry about, are we asking right? Is it this or, or is it this? I think he knows our hearts and he just wants us to be honest with him. Like, God, I, I just need you. I need your Holy Spirit. God is infinite. He's beyond us. And trying to fully understand God is like a toddler trying to understand the complexities of relationships or marriage or parenting. And if any of you guys have met my daughter, Brinley, I'm sure she would like to have you convinced that she has figured it all out. But it's funny because I, I imagine right now that God is looking down on me right now like I'm some goofy toddler. He's like, look at Mark trying to talk about the complexities of the Holy Spirit. Isn't he cute? Yeah. Believe it or not, the fact that God is too immense for our finite minds should be comforting and not discouraging. After all, if God was small enough for my brain to fully understand, he wouldn't be big enough to save me. I'm going to invite the, the band to come up right now. And I want to end with this. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us as believers is our gateway to the heart of God. It's through him that we can know the thoughts, emotions, and the will of the Father. 
It's through him that we grow in our revelation of God through scripture. And it's through him that we can encounter God's manifest presence and peace. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12 says, These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I think this would classify for that. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that each of us choose to live a spirit-filled life. And living a spirit-filled life is having faith in God. Living a spirit-filled life is being obedient to God and not resisting the Holy Spirit. Living a spirit-filled life is a life empowered by God. If it helps, picture a skid steer with an auger. Let's pray. God, we are so humbled by your, your bigness, God. You are so huge. You are so infinite, Lord, and, and it is hard to comprehend the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, the mysteries of you, Lord. And God, we just pray tonight that you would just help us to seek you first. God, that we would knock on your door and that you would answer, Lord and to give us the great gift of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would take it a step further tonight and, and just live a life that stands out from the rest, that we would act on the promptings that you give us, that we would act on the voice cues that you give us in this life, and that we wouldn't grow weary or, or leery of listening to your whispers and your promptings, Lord. I just pray for your Holy Spirit right now, God, just to move in this room, to move in each heart, Lord, as we leave tonight, God, that we would look at you in a different way and sense your spirit as our helper, as our guide in our everyday life, Lord, that we recognize that you are this amazing power that is accessible to each of us. And it is in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm-hmm.